everyone. Welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. Today we have Susie Scheiflin joining us. Uh, you might know her as the Copper Vessel on Instagram. She's awesome. She's a sound healer, kundalini yoga teacher, Reiki master, and sobriety coach. And she experienced a really incredible transformation a little while ago that released her from addiction and darkness and anxiety and led her to a life of you know, higher alignment and more radiance. And her mission now is to enable her community to make a similar transformation where they need to and live in a lighter and more peaceful way. So in this episode, we talk about her journey with alcohol addiction and how she overcame that. Uh, We talk about living with and embracing alopecia and the energetics behind sound healing and Reiki healing and yoga. And we also talk about aligning with her soulmate. She just got engaged recently and overall creating the life of her dreams with intention. And we get into uh, particularly the segment on alopecia and growing up with that. And I touch on it a little bit that I also experienced alopecia. Um, Last year, I had this kind of traumatic event happen to my body and the response that my body gave me was to lose a patch of hair. And it was actually a pretty significant patch of hair. And I haven't really talked about this, but uh, I think women especially have such a significant connection to their hair. And if we lose it or we feel like we're not connected to our hair in some way, like it can really throw us into this spin of, you know, questioning our femininity and, you know, our connection with our bodies and, it's intense. It was um, a very intense time for me and my hair grew back, but it took a year and I wasn't sure if like all of my hair was going to fall out or what was going on, but it was really just uh, a chance for me to connect more deeply with my body and really figure out where I needed to love myself more deeply and heal more deeply. So that was kind of my little story that I don't really get into in our conversation, which I wanted to share. Um, and if you're experiencing something like that, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and as always, thank you so much for being here. It means so much to me. And at the end of this episode, if you've learned something new or you feel inspired, please feel free to send it to a friend and spread the love. All right, guys, I will let you check out this conversation with Susie and I'll talk to you on the flip side. The first question I love to ask people is how do you start your days off? Do you have any rising rituals or routines that you go to? Mm, I definitely do. I feel like having a strong morning practice is like the secret to success. Um, I wake up every morning at five, not every morning, but most mornings I wake up at five and I take a cold shower. Um, and then I get on my mat, I make a hot water with lemon and I sit down and I begin by tuning in. I do some breath work. I do different meditations, but usually I'm committed to, you know, a 40 day or a 90 day or 120 day sadhana of a particular meditation, maybe chanting. Um, I do some light movement and then I have, um, readings that I read every morning. So different inspirational texts or, you know, sacred channel texts that I read and I feel inspired by. And then I say prayers. Um, I pray every morning and then I start my day. And sometimes it's like two hours, uh, but at the very least, it's usually like 30 minutes. And I just make sure that no matter what, no matter where I'm in the world, I start my day off with that morning sauna, that morning practice to really get clear um, connect with my higher power, connect with the divine and open to, you know, whatever the day has in store for me. Mm, Oh, powerful. That is early. I'm always so fascinated by people who can get up that early. Have you always gotten up at five? Have you always been an early bird or how did Mm. that come about? No, definitely not. Um, I mean, I definitely like to wake up early, but it's really because of my fiance that I get up that early. He gets up at 4.30 and goes to the gym. And so by the time he's up and out, I'm sort of up. And, you know, with the way that 
my life is today and the nature of my business. I sort of flow through the day and it can sometimes feel pretty nonstop. And once people start to wake up, the messages and emails and everything starts to come in. So I really think it is helpful to have time in those ambrosial hours, that sacred time when like the world isn't really awake yet to have that quiet and stillness. So, I mean, I used to wake up at like 6.30 or 7, but I really do like waking up at five now, even though it sounds a little crazy. No, it's amazing. I wish I could. I mean, eight o'clock for me is my new like good place. So uh, I hope I can keep inching back. Uh, but that's so inspiring. And then what are you reading right now? What, what are your go-to morning texts? Right now I'm reading A Course in Miracles. Every morning I'm doing that. Um, it's changing my life. It's really actually been a little bit of a roller coaster, but I think it's just when you read something like that and, and take a course in miracles, you start to open up to a whole new way of being. So a course in miracles. Um, I read from a book called everyday spirit by Mary Davis. I love her so much. It's a beautiful reading every day and it's so inspiring and so much about gratitude and kindness and compassion. Um, I also read, I'm, I'm sober, so I read from 12-step literature in the morning. And then sometimes I read from like the Bhagavad Gita, um, you know, or I'll open a random page in Conversations with God, which is one of my favorite books by Neil Donald Walsh. Um, that's really it. I mean, that's a lot, but. Yeah. <laughs> that's your little collection that you've got. Yeah. Wonderful. So Susie, I will have given a little introduction about who you are and kind of what you're working through, but I'd love to hear it from you. You know, what is your journey up until now looked like and what was your upbringing like? Mm, it's been such a journey, such an incredible journey. Um, I grew up on the East Coast. I was born and raised in Greenwich, Connecticut. I have a wonderful family. My parents are amazing. I have three younger sisters and um, yeah, I grew up there. I will say that um, from a young age, I was pretty anxious and that's sort of where my healing journey began. Um, something shifted around the time that I was like seven years old. When I was really, really young, I was not really anxious. I was really connected to angels and I had this incredible connection to angels and nature. I was always in nature, like catching tadpoles, creating like witch's brew in my mom's garden and, and just felt really the magic of life. And around the time that I was seven, I'm not sure exactly what shifted. I know that I went through like a sort of a trauma with two best friends. It was the three of us and they sort of rejected me. Um, and I started to experience a condition called alopecia, which is basically unexplained hair loss. So I was seven, I'd gone through this thing with my friends and my hair started falling out and I started to really just get super anxious. I also developed food sensitivities. So um, you know, I felt very different all of a sudden, like I went from feeling like so connected to the universe and nature and magic to feeling like, who am I? I don't belong here. I feel like a weirdo. I feel like an outcast. I feel ugly. Like I'm this little girl, my hair is falling out. I can't eat what my friends are eating and shifted into sort of this like real kind of victim mentality, you know, and was just so afraid. Um, and began this journey to try to figure out what was wrong with me. My mom would take me to all sorts of doctors and healers and energy workers trying to figure out why my hair was falling out. And no one really had an answer. You know, the doctor, like Western doctors, dermatologists were like, there's no cause, there's no cure. We can give her steroids. We can do this. And then healers, I mean, did energy work, but it was a journey, you know, and, and being so young, I wasn't really committed to any of the practices I was being offered. And I had to, I, I got to go through my own journey and, and experience the pain of growing up and, and keeping that as a secret, you know, keeping the secret of the fact that my hair was falling out and people couldn't tell. It was really just a couple of bald spots and they would come and go, but I carried so much shame around it and just really developed the story that there was something wrong with me and that I was unlovable and I was a freak and, you know, I wasn't good enough. And when I was in high school, um, as many people do, I started to explore, you know, drinking and that sort of became a very quick solution for me. And the real 
just fear and suffering and anxiety taking place in my mind. Like I would have a drink and very quickly have three, five, 10 drinks, even when I was like young, you know, like 14, 15, and I would black out. And when I drank, it was like this permission slip to just do whatever, <laughs> you know, to chill out, to stop being so afraid and, and stop trying so hard and say whatever came out, which wasn't always the best. Um, but I felt sort of this, this sense of freedom. And so that became my life. That became my solution. And I mean, it was what the high school kids that I hung out with did. Like we partied, we drank. And when I went to college, it was the same thing. Um, and it was fun and it was wild, but I also began to build up shame around that because when I would drink and black out, like I wasn't always behaving as I would if I'd been sober, you know? And like I said, not always saying, saying things that were what I would say, um, didn't know what I did. Sometimes I would pee the bed. And then I went to, I went to college um, in Virginia. I went to UVA. And when I graduated, I moved to New York City and went to culinary school. And when I got to New York, I realized like for the first time, I was like, oh, I have anxiety. And so I started taking prescription pills that were prescribed to me by my doctor. So anxiety medications. Um, and that created this like really intense cocktail that led me to start passing out in random places, waking up in the hospital, um, really just escalating, you know, what had been like party girl drinking into something pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it became clear that, you know, drinking wasn't something that was going to work for me, but I couldn't stop. Like it was all I knew. And at that point I hadn't been going to see very many healers. I'd just been getting injections of steroids in my scalp and my hair was still falling out and it was my biggest secret. And I just wanted to fit in. And I was just trying to live the life I thought I should live according to the society that I'd grown up in. Um, but inside I was really unhappy and, you know, I would try to stop drinking, but I didn't change anything else around me. And so it didn't work. And I got really frustrated and I got really fed up and I wanted to blame everything other than myself. You know, it was because of the relationship that I was in. It was because of my job. It was because I lived in New York city, whatever. Um, and I ended that relationship I quit that job. I ended up going back to it, but I changed the external stuff and I was still with myself and, and those feelings were still inside me. And so I hit a real bottom, you know, where I was drinking every night wine and just not happy and got to a point where I was like, something needs to change. I can't go on like this. And it felt so hopeless because I couldn't change. Like I really like was trying everything. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm not gonna, I can't live here anymore. I can't live. And so there was one night where, um, it was really scary and I don't really remember what happened, but I was ready to go. And miraculously I woke up the next day and I did not succeed in my attempt to leave this earth and there was a new voice in my mind and that voice said Susie wake up and live wake up and live and with that I began to open to a new possibility um, I began to open to something that was different than the way I'd been trying to do it before and I went to rehab and went there for 30 days. And while I was in rehab, I began a daily gratitude practice. And just by doing that, just by saying every day, a few things I was grateful for, something within me started to shift. When I was in rehab, I also got Reiki healing and started to experience for the first time, like an understanding of energy. Um, I began connecting with the moon. There was an eclipse when I was there. And I remember looking up and just thinking, wow, and becoming aware of the cycles of life. And I began to meditate and I practiced yoga and of course didn't drink. <laughs> and when I got out of rehab, 
I continued a lot of those practices and things started to really shift. Things started to really change in my life. And I began to open up to that same sort of guidance I'd felt that really tough morning that was like Susie wake up and live just like a little whisper, a little inner knowing, which, you know, was my intuition and my intuition led me to come out to California on a trip. And as soon as I got here, it was like, Oh, I need, I need to live here. I need to move here. Like there's something for me here. So I ended up moving out to California and in the process of moving, I went to a sound bath. My aunt lives out here and she took me to a beautiful sound bath in Los Feliz. And as soon as I lay down and started to listen to these incredible crystal sounds, I felt this shift and I felt this sense of calm and sort of this coming home to myself, like really what I'd been searching for all those years, this sense that like everything was okay. I didn't need to figure it out. I was already whole the love that I'd been looking for, the approval, the validation, it was already there. Like it was already inside of me. And I was like, what was that? And so I kept going, I kept going and kept going, um, to sound baths every chance I got. And it opened up this incredible new world, um, a new career and a new life. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that and and being so willing to be vulnerable with us and share that because there's so much in there that I know everybody can relate to. And I certainly can. I've had alopecia before I had one spot. It happened right after I had trauma to the body, but it created this patch on my head that was just like getting bigger and bigger. And as women, that's really difficult, especially, you know, when you're a kid growing up, like hair is part of your identity as a woman. Um, so I can deeply relate to that. Just like pain that comes from that. Um, and so when was the point where you were like, okay, I'm ready to just like be who I am. It's okay to not have hair. And like, you look stunning without hair. I thought that this was just an aesthetic choice. And I was like, yes, like you look so good. So when did you decide to like, just embrace it? So it's funny. Like when I look back, I mean, it was such a journey. First of all, it was such a journey and it continues to be a journey. Um, a daily practice of self-love. But when I look back, like when I had gotten out of rehab, I remember my hair was really falling out and something within me was like, Susie, you're going to have to own this. Like you're going to, you're going to shave your head. And I was so resistant and I continued with getting shots. And then as I got into more holistic forms of healing, I stopped getting shots. My hair started really falling out. I started wearing a wig and you know, it was, it was tough. Like I felt like I was like truly hiding something. But at that point, like through having become a sound healer, going to so many sound baths, you know, receiving Reiki healing, becoming a Reiki practitioner and Reiki master, like I was doing all this inner work and starting to realize like, it's okay, Susie. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Well, that moment actually came uh specifically i went to an incredible workshop with caroline miss caroline, do you know caroline miss i don't she's uh, a medical intuitive she wrote anatomy of the spirit which is an incredible oh, book i've heard of that book okay mm-hmm. so i read her book and i was like wow i saw that she was doing a workshop in san diego i went and the whole weekend i was determined to talk to her i was determined to ask her you know what's wrong with me like if anyone can tell me, the, she's literally like the best medical intuitive in the world. If anyone can tell me what's wrong, it's going to be Caroline. Mm-hmm. So I had a moment where we were in the elevator together and I quickly told her my story. I said, my hair's been falling out. What do you think is wrong with me? And she just looked at me and she was like, come back later. Ask me, ask me at lunch. So I was like, okay. So I came back to her. I asked her again. She said, mm, come back again later. I, I can't, I can't figure it out yet. And she just told me to, kept telling me to come back. And finally the workshop was ending and, uh, it was, you know, the last day. And I went up to her and I said, Caroline, please, like that was the moment. Could you tell me? And she goes, email me. And I was like, what? She couldn't, she literally couldn't tell me. And as I was reflecting on the weekend, something hit me that she had said during the workshop, which is 
who are we to know what God wants for us? And I say, God, for me, God is love. Like God is a word for something that you just can't put a word on the energy that is creative consciousness. That is love. But who are we to know what our divine highest path is, right? So who am I to say that I'm supposed to have hair? Like if I don't have hair, my hair's falling out and not literally I'm physically completely healthy. I did everything possible. I got sober. I took such good care of my body, nutrition, exercise, meditation, mental health, all the things. If my hair's still falling out, who am I to say that this isn't supposed to be happening, right? And it hit me. It was like, Susie, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong. And the next day I got home from the workshop, I had, a, I had a photo shoot on the beach and I took my bowls out and my big bowl, which was like the heart and soul of my set, this bowl, which just had carried me for the past year that I'd been working and building my business as a sound healer. I took it out and it was broken. And I was so shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I, I literally couldn't figure out how it could have broken. Nothing. I'd packed it carefully. Um, and I reached out to my mentor and I told her, I said, my bowl broke. I was crying. And she was like, Susie, they don't just break. They don't just break. When a bowl breaks, it represents that a healing has taken place. It represents that the bowl took a hit for you and something is cleared. She goes, what's going on? She said, what's going on with your hair? And I burst into just a huge sob. And I was like, my hair my hair. I was like, there's nothing wrong with me, you know? And the bull broke really to energetically represent that that had finally landed. Like after at that point, years of going to healers and doing the work, getting sober, taking care of my body. It was finally like, Oh, Susie, there's nothing wrong. You are whole. And so it landed. Um, and then from there, it took, it took a little while, but eventually um, I was ready and I stopped wearing a wig and I shaved my head. And that was like a complete rebirth. It was like the thing that I had been dreading my whole life, right, was exposing myself in that way. And I, you know, I shared about it on social media. I posted throughout the process. Um, my amazing hairstylist, Graham, who now I haven't seen in like two years because I don't need him anymore, but he's still a dear friend. I haven't seen him for haircuts, but, um, he did it and it was just, it felt like the most liberating thing and a complete rebirth. And even after I shaved it, I was still like even more vulnerable than ever. You know, it wasn't like I shaved it and I skipped out onto the street and was like, see me bald. It was like, Wow, I felt so tender, mm-hmm. so sensitive. Um, and it was a whole new way of being, but letting myself be seen and seeing myself for who I am and recognizing and owning that, you know, what makes me lovable and what makes me worthy is not the fact that I have hair, <laughs> not the way I look. It's who I am and it's the light inside me. And I really think that I got to go through this experience with alopecia to let myself own that, you know, and to give me an opportunity to be vulnerable and to recognize that I'm whole no matter what, you know, no matter what I'm wearing, no matter what I'm doing, no matter who I'm with, no matter what I look like, like I am already enough. And by walking as I do now as this bald woman, (laughs) like it's without a mask right? It's without hiding and letting myself be seen exactly as I am has been so scary and so vulnerable and so incredibly empowering. And I wouldn't trade a moment of the journey, like not a single tear. Um, and now there's so much laughter and it's, it's amazing. Like I walk down the street and people come up to me and they're like, wow, you know, when for so many years I was afraid that people would be like, are you sick? What's wrong with you? Or are you freaking? It's just not that. It's not that at all. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's very emotional to hear you talk about this, especially talking about like your bowl breaking and it, it was your heart chakra correlating bowl, right? Like just so intense. And it's like you telling this story and you being willing to show who you really are is 
giving everybody else permission in your field to express themselves and, and know that they are whole and worthy as well. So it's really like, I mean, thank you for sharing this and for being yourself and for not hiding it anymore, because it takes a lot of courage to do that, no matter where you are really on your spiritual journey, quote unquote. Like, I still haven't written about my alopecia moment. I just don't really know how to phrase it or approach it. It's, it's not occurring anymore. But like, I just think it's so brave of you to share this and just completely own who you are. And there's so much else I want to touch on with you from, from what you were saying. I mean, you've gone through two huge things, like thematically from, you know, alcohol and hair loss. And so I do want to touch on um, alcohol and, and how you were able to overcome uh, your addiction with that as well. So you were talking about how sound healing and Reiki were really like portals for you to kind of overcome that. Can you help mm -hmm. us understand, like when you're in um, a sound healing or a Reiki healing session, like what do you personally feel is happening for you? Um, and, and what is that energetic frequency like? Like what are you experiencing in that moment? When I'm receiving or when I'm sharing? When you're receiving. I'm curious about receiving <laughs> first. Yeah, and then sharing. When I'm receiving, it feels like, it feels like everything's okay. Like my body relaxes. I feel a softening in my neck and on my scalp. I feel, and it's different every time, but when I tune into it now, it's like, I feel softening there. I feel my heart open and I feel sort of the tension that I can hold in my day-to-day -day life sort of just melt away. It's like this sense of calm and, and, and like a deep breath, really. Mm. Um, I also, I mean, I tend to experience what I call in my sound bots, I call it the place which is where you're not quite awake and you're not quite asleep. It sort of just feels like you're somewhere else. And so it's like, I lie down and, you know, in the beginning, usually my mind is pretty busy and it starts to shift from, you know, my to-do list and all the things to sort of more of a creative flow. And I find myself oftentimes becoming very inspired. Um, then maybe seeing visualizations, shapes, colors, and then from there, it's like going to the place where I know that I'm not asleep, but it's sort of just being in this infinite void, this place of nothingness where I feel nothing and I also feel completely whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good way of describing it. Yeah. Yep. And do you feel like you finally found what you were looking for with alcohol and what alcohol was giving you, you could replace with um, energetic healing. Was there kind of a shift that happened almost immediately with you there? Or was it like the more you experienced energetic healing, the more you were not tempted by alcohol? Mm, I would say it's not a black or white answer. It's not a yes or no to that question. I think that through energy healing, I shifted my frequency out of a frequency of addiction, right? The need to reach for something outside myself in order to fill a craving or a need, which for me, that craving or need was connection and coming back to that place of wholeness and that, that knowing, that deep inner knowing that everything's okay, right? Like the, for me, the craving to drink or use comes from a place of like, I'm not safe. I'm not enough. I need to not feel like this right now, right? And so through energy healing and sound baths, I gave myself the opportunity to feel whole, right? And to make that my more consistent state of consciousness. So even if I was going in the beginning to, you know, a sound bath once a week or getting a Reiki healing once every two weeks, by spending time deeply entrenched in that frequency of, of calm and wholeness and in these brainwave states that are associated with deep states of rest and relaxation and healing, I was reprogramming my nervous system to know it's okay. Like it's okay to be in this place of, of feeling safe, of feeling whole. Um, and so that when times come up now, which they still do, like I'm not going to sit on here and tell you that I don't experience anxiety because I absolutely do. Um, but when those moments come up, I know what to do with it. I know that that anxiety typically for me tends to be information coming through 
um, which in the past I would shove down and ignore and then try to cling for something to make me feel safe. But now I'm like, okay, there's something coming through energy that needs to move. It might be an emotion. It might be, I need to say no to that thing. Like it's not right for me to take that opportunity or spend time with that person. My body is trying to tell me something and it's revealing itself as physical anxiety for me. I feel it in my belly, almost like butterflies. I feel it again in the back of my neck. And then I experience it in my mind, my mind getting pretty frantic. Mm. So by spending time and training with a different frequency through energy healing and tapping into these higher frequencies. And when I say higher frequency, I don't mean higher, like good or bad, but more consistent and stable, right? More grounded frequencies. It, it absolutely helped me to shift away from that craving for something else. And so now, you know, if I'm out, if I'm socializing and it feels like, you know, I am craving a drink, like in this moment, I need a drink. I'm like, wow, Susie, what is it? What is it that you really need? You know, and it may be that I need quiet. It may need that I need space. It may be that that person's not aligned with my energy. Like we don't resonate with everyone mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, I need to honor some, some need within myself that it's not going to get fixed by me reaching for a vodka soda. <laughs> Certainly not. But how can I, you know, take a few deep breaths and ask myself what I'm, I'm really craving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also very relatable too. Because I mean, for myself and my buddies, personally, I noticed that we all go for alcohol when we feel social anxiety, or we're meeting new people. And we want to be relaxed enough to make a good impression, or we just don't want to get caught up And alcohol helps with that. So Mm -hmm. I love that you say that, like, maybe the time there is to just like, take a deep breath and like center yourself and then enter a conversation from a place of authenticity and, and groundedness. So I also picked up, that's so interesting that you feel um, when you're going through energy healing in the back of your neck. Did you ever see Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop series on Netflix? I'm forgetting who the guy was. He was John. Yeah. Yeah. He he teaches people to touch the back of your neck to move the energy down your spine. Um, Yeah. I feel like this drop in right there. I'm so Mm -hmm. curious about what that is. There's a gland there, the zeal pineal gland. Um, I don't know too much more about what to say for that, but it is, well, it's, it's, it's also where our spines connecting with our, our brain, right? Yeah, so like, like the there's a lot brain. of nerves there and energetically it's a major portal. And it's interesting when I was little, I used to experience big sort of like explosions of energy there. Like I've asked a lot of, you know, teachers, healers, guides about it. Um, but I would, sometimes it would like hit me like a blow, just a hot flash of energy right there. And I think, you know, it's for me also makes sense where my hair is falling out. Like my crown chakra is super open. Like I'm just receiving energy and light. And I think for me, the invitation is always to ground it Mm -hmm. and to take myself out of my head and really be on this earth and walk as the embodiment of that light, not just like shining light and floating out into the ethers. Yeah. That makes, you have a very angelic presence to you. It kind of makes sense that you're like in the city of angels and it makes a lot of sense that your crown chakra is totally open like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Blasted the hair right off. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's so funny. Um, I also, this is kind of random, but I know that you recently got engaged. So I'm kind of curious about how you met your fiance and, and, uh, how your, you know, journey through love in that sense was. Oh, it's been amazing. He is just the best. I'm so glad you asked this. No one ever asked me this stuff on podcasts. I love to talk about him. Great. He talked about an angel. I mean, he's just incredible and completely like the yang to my yin. And that sounds really cheesy to say, but it's true. (laughs) He's so grounded and just a solid rock for me. Um, And it took a lot of work for me to get to a place where I could receive a partner like him. I had taken a year off of dating completely. I kept calling in partners where I felt the need uncontrollably to try to heal them, to try to help them, to try to fix them or save them. Like my wounded healer tendency would come out and I would want to nurture a partner. Um, And once I identified that, it was challenging to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to take some time and really focus on dating myself and healing myself so that I can get to a place where I'm not recurring, you know, recreating this pattern. Um, 
so for that year, I, um, I really did a lot of deep inner work. And that was the year that I was moving through, you know, this complete self-acceptance around my experience with alopecia. I also, without meaning to, totally had an eat, pray, love year where I went to India in February and had the most incredible spiritual journey. I then went to Italy in September and that happened by a complete synchronicity. Like I wasn't like, I want to go to Italy. I just ended up there on my way to Bali. And when I was in Italy, like totally romanced myself. I was in Venice and I remember seeing, you know, the gondolas and just being like, Oh, I wish I had a partner to ride on one of these with like the quintessential romantic experience. And I was like, why do I need a partner? I'm going to do it myself. So I literally like did a gondola ride by myself. And that was sort of the energy of my trip. It was just like bringing romance and love into my life and being like, of course it will be amazing to have a partner, but like, I'm good. Uh-huh. And then after that, I went to Bali and I led a retreat and Bali is incredible. And the energy is so intense. And it was very, very clearing for me while I was there. I had so much come up so much like my whole body broke out in hives and I ended up doing like a major cord cutting where I looked back through my life and I cut cords with past partners like literally people who owed me money I texted them and I was like don't worry about paying me back like we're good just cleared so much cleared so much karma and when I got back from Bali Literally five days later, I went to a 12-step meeting that I went to every week when I'm in LA and I taught yoga at, and Mark was there. And he had he grew up in LA, but he'd lived in Phoenix for a couple of years and he'd just gotten back. So he was exploring new meetings and trying to get plugged back into the recovery community in LA. And he was there and he came up to me after class and I felt like I knew him, but I was like, is it because I've been traveling? I just haven't seen this guy in a while, but I was like, hi. And he asked me, you know, when my next sound bath would be. And he came. And after that, he asked me out and we went to have tea and well, we didn't have tea. Actually, he invited me to tea, but we had trendy desserts in Koreatown. <laughs> and, um, it all unfolded from there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that makes so much sense. And I love that you just consciously committed to that to taking care of yourself first and having so much fun by yourself and romancing yourself and it, amazing and you had done so much to prepare for that like there is like kind of a clear line to finding a person that you were ready to actually meet fully yeah yeah and then it was so funny because after having done all of that time dating myself and romancing myself like I was really good on my own you know and then once I met him and felt this knowing like I had this same intuitive voice within me that was like, Susie just keeps saying yes. But I had become so accustomed to like taking care of myself and like doing things on my own. So there was this softening and opening that got to take place where I had to remember how to receive, you know, and open to partnership rather than like, I've called this amazing man in and yet I'm pushing him away because like, I'm good. I'm good, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's been such an amazing teacher for me and the way that he supports me and shows up for me. I mean, the way that we show up for each other, like it's just so beautiful. And literally from our second date, you know, we had those conversations, like, what are you looking for? And asked each other, you know, the questions and, and set very clear expectations and intentions about what we were stepping into with the relationship. And I think that that is what made such a big difference for me as well is that there was no ambiguity. Like mm -hmm. I didn't ever feel like, what are we doing? Is he going to call me? Yeah. You know, does he like me? Like I was just like, okay, you know, we're taking this one step at a time and we would consciously communicate along the way. And that allowed me to just relax. Oh, it's so good. It's so refreshing and expansive to hear you talk about this. Cause I feel like I'm you like a couple of years behind a little bit, like on my own trajectory, just like having a great year by myself and dating a little bit, but just really focusing on me. It feels great. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah I love that. What is your sign by the way? What are, what's your astrological chart look like? Uh, Sagittarius sun, mm -hmm. Pisces rising and Virgo moon. Cool. Cool. That yeah. makes sense. Oh, I love that. And do you yeah. know your human design? Uh, generator. Cool. 
Oh, I yeah. always love to just kind of put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So now I kind of wanted to ask you too about the community that you are serving and your audience and, and the people around you. What do you find that most people are coming to you for help with? And what are most people struggling with right now? People I find right now are struggling with um, stepping into their purpose. I think there's a great, I mean, I know that there's a great awakening taking place right now, you know, and especially after having this past year where people had so many shifts, so much loss, so much grief and so much space, you know, people have really had the opportunity to ask themselves like, who am I and what matters and what am I doing with my life? And it's great to ask those questions, but sometimes that can open up <laughs> a lot. You know, when you embark on a spiritual awakening, like it's a beautiful journey, but there's a lot of challenges there too. And so a lot of people that I work with now come to me feeling like, I know that there's something more for my life. I know that I have a purpose beyond my nine to five job, beyond what I've been doing. You know, I know that I have this great power within me to make a difference, but I have no idea what it looks like and I have no idea how to get there. Um, and when you're in that place that can cause some anxiety. And I relate to that because I didn't share about this when I was telling my story, but like I had a corporate job in New York. It, I continued it when I was out here and there was a good few years where that inner voice of intuition was saying to me, Susie, yeah, you're good at this job. Yeah, you can keep doing it, but it's not in alignment with your spirit. And I was so scared to break away because I didn't know what it would look like, you know, and I was afraid to not have a, a regular paycheck and not have health insurance and didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. Um, and it took a lot of surrender, but that's what I'm experiencing people coming to me with now. You know, it first presents as anxiety. So people may reach out like, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, um, I'm stuck. And then when we unpack it, it's like, what is my purpose, you know, and how to find that and how to tap into their unique gift. Like for me, I got to experience losing my hair to learn about, you know, being authentic and really being vulnerable and coming from a place of unconditional love and self-acceptance. And everyone has their own journey. And I believe soul mission that they're here to learn and then to share. So I love helping people find that. And the way that I do it is really using sound and sound is a very powerful way to help shift frequencies. So, um, that's the community that mm. I've, I've found myself surrounded by right now. And I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of things I want to touch on there with you too. So, I mean, I feel like since we were kids in school, finding our purpose has looked like, what do you want to do? You want to become a lawyer, doctor, pilot, like you name it. And it's like, we have to know this like one specific thing. And if we stray off of that path, it can be very anxiety provoking, but I've definitely come to understand purpose is kind of a fluid thing that takes a lot of different shapes and forms. So how do you perceive purpose? And like, how do you explain purpose to people who are like experiencing anxiety around that? Yeah. Well, what I experience is that the mind wants to attach to something, right? I need to be a fireman. I need to be a PR rep or I need to be a banker or I need to be a lawyer. Purpose is something much deeper than that. And I believe we all have the same purpose ultimately, which is to love. And so the question really isn't, you know, do I need to become a sound healer or do I need to become a lawyer? But really how can I express love most fully mm -hmm. on a moment to moment basis. And you may be an accountant and you may bring so much love to that work. And that is living your purpose. You could be, you know, a waitress at a restaurant and you're bringing love through that. You're blessing every person that you interact with. And that is your purpose. So I think that when we bring love into the situation, it matters less what you're doing, but more how you're doing it. Um, and when you sort of look at it that way, everything starts to become more clear. And if you're like, I just, I don't feel like a channel of love when I'm in my bookkeeping job, then what would help you to feel more like a channel of love? Right. Um, and I think it shifts. Like we have so many lives that we live in this lifetime. One of my favorite prayers is a prayer of St. Francis Assisi. And the last line is, um, it is by dying that we awaken to eternal life. And I feel like 
in this lifetime, you know, we're always dying so that we can be reborn again. And it really is expectation and attachment that causes suffering. So it's for me, like, I'm so grateful that I went to culinary school. You know, if I was attached to that, I could be sitting here suffering right now that I'm not working as a chef. But like, that was an experience that led me to where I am. You know, I got to open hotels in New York City and be of service to people as a concierge. I got to work in the plaza private residences and create incredible experiences for people. And it was so much fun. And that's not my path anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. if I was attached to that or attached to needing to be some other way, um, I would suffer and feel lost and anxious. But for me, I'm always opening. And even within my business, like when I started, I was like, I'm, I'm a sound healer to help people move through addiction. And I still do love working with people who feel called and ready to, you know, awaken and, and find recovery and especially, you know, break away from drugs and alcohol, which is so, can be so life-changing. Um, but at this point, I'm like, that's not the main clientele, the main community that I'm calling in. It's really more people who are like, what's my purpose and how can I serve from a place of love? Mm-hmm. So always opening, always opening, always opening to a deeper experience of love. I think that that's all of our purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so well put. And I especially love that you really honed in on attachment in the mind, like, you know, picking this one little theme and, and if, you know, you stray, you experience anxiety. And, and I also love the word like expression. I know it's such a used word, but like to express something and to allow something to embody your energy is so powerful. And that can come in so many different forms. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you, I, I've done a couple sound healing baths and, and they're so beautiful. And I'm also a Reiki healer. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know too, how do you perceive the common thread between all of these different energetic healing modalities? Like, is there a common thread that you see between all of these practices? Absolutely. It's all energy. Yeah. That's, that's the common thread that I see. And so you know, we're all unique individuals and everyone's going to feel called to work with energy in different ways. You know, some people might find their path to oneness through religion. Some people might feel most connected to their divine self in a Reiki session. Some people might, you know, really resonate with the healing sounds of the crystal bowls. Um, I think that it's really fun to explore and to see what feels good for you. And again, that same theme of being open and remaining unattached, like maybe you're at a point in your journey where Kundalini yoga is just everything and it's opening you up to a whole new experience of life. And maybe in a few years that practice has, you know, served its purpose for you for now. Um, But I think recognizing that, everything is energy and energy cannot be created or destroyed. It's always just changing forms. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the common thread between Reiki, between sound and Kundalini. It's that you're consciously choosing to work with energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something about sound that like is so tangible. I mean, some of these practices, like for me, when I'm doing Reiki, I feel this magnetism. Like you can actually feel the energy being pulled around, which is what really drew me to Reiki. And with sound, you can literally feel it like resonating and and vibrating Mm -hmm. within you, which is just wild. But it reminds me of what you said earlier about just getting into the field and and each of these practices puts you in the field, which is is a great way to explain that too. Yes. Is there anything that you've been working through more recently that's been an obstacle that you've been working on um, transmuting and overcoming? Mm. Well, I'm launching, I just launched a brand new training, a brand new sound healing training. And in order to create that training, I closed a past chapter and I'm stepping out to create this training on my own. And so in launching it, it's definitely felt scary. Like, do I, am I allowed to do this? Do I have permission to create something all on my own and create something that is really my baby. Like this training combines everything that has helped me to be who I am and build the business that I have. And um, I think, and what I've already experienced is like, it's kind of disrupting the industry. Like it's a training that combines not only sound healing, not only energy healing, but also business mentorship and really empowering healers to 
create a business that is thriving and profitable and own their power and be so clear in their authentic truth and be able to share and market their offerings. So it's been super scary to create this and um, so exciting at the same time because it just feels so big and life is just all about expansions and contractions and this feels like such a big expansion that as I'm like stretching myself to give birth to it, there's such a such a cry from within me of like, oh my gosh, Susie, just hide, like give up. You can't yeah. do it. This is beyond your capacity. When in my soul, I'm like, this is just exactly what I need to do. So um, that's definitely been a beautiful challenge and invitation to grow. And the way that the training is structured is it's like the real I don't, it's like the real deal. Like it's very, um, it's very strict. Like, it's not just like come here and bang a bowl. It's like there are standards, you know, and it's not just for anyone who wants to come in and play around. It's like, this is a training that is going to be life changing and, and really give people the tools to have a very professional, very high level sound and energy healing business, um, that is grounded in the 3d world, you know? in my experience and and they've shared, like, I want to be in the crown. I want to be floating. Like I want to be out there and it can be so uncomfortable to walk on this earth as a human and talk about things like money, you know, and deal with things like lawyers and taxes and all the things that you get to do as a business owner. And for me, I mean, having like left a job, a corporate job, like people don't necessarily tell you these things. Like how do you hire an employee? How do you, you know, keep your books. How do you, all those little things that are very, very necessary to have a grounded, successful business. Um, and I feel so excited to have those tough conversations about, you know, money blocks and money as energy and really owning your worth and your value and charging for your services in a way that, you know, you're not making like $40 to teach yoga class, you know, how can you live off that, especially in LA? Mm-hmm. Um, and so breaking through some of that and, and teaching people the real business skills in addition to the beautiful energy healing skills. So it kind of reminds me of what I was saying about Mark. Like he brings such a grounded masculine structure into my life and that allows me to really flow and be in my feminine. And I see business very much the same as teachers and healers and creatives really just want to create, right? And tap into that energy. But if we don't have the right structures in place our root chakra is out of balance and you may find yourself self-sabotaging and, and becoming stuck so it's been it's been like a real invitation for me to just believe in myself and that I can do this mm-hmm. and I'm so excited like I'm so excited applications are coming in the training's almost halfway full for the first round um it's just it's beyond, it's beyond. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited for you. It looks amazing. I loved your promotional, like, you know, video as well. It's so beautifully shot. And like, I know you just feel the authenticity coming from you and, and it's beautiful. And I love that you're talking about money and like talking about business for women, especially because Mm -hmm. I think in the spiritual community, you know, it's, it's, kind of in the past 10 or 20 years where spiritual beings and healers and and light workers are actually starting to exchange currency for their gifts and and their teachings. And there, you know, has been a little bit of a taboo attached to that in the past, I think. And it's so great that we're now having these conversations like, no, you have permission. It's okay. Uh, You being wealthy and abundant is serving the world on a much greater level because when we have money, we, we do beautiful things. Um, as healers. So it's very helpful to hear you say that. I'm also launching a course for the first time uh, in April. And it's like bringing up all the same things. Like, am I allowed to be seen? Am I worthy of teaching this? Isn't there somebody better and more experienced that can teach this? And then it's just remembering that the people who will come to us are the ones that um, are, you know, on their kind of timeline of who they're ready to be taught by or who they're ready to connect with. And and the same with us, like we find our teachers that are going to meet us where we are and those will change and that's okay. So yes, it's, it's really expansive to hear you say that and just like give yourself permission to do it. And yeah, it is. It's a huge project to launch something like this. Totally, totally. And congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like inching my way there every day. It's like this, 
new opening. Okay. Like it's okay. You can show yourself on camera or like you can write this and like, it's going to be good enough. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I love that you're sharing this. I mean, there's so much, so much beautiful information and wisdom that you shared with us today, but is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to touch on or share? No, I feel so complete. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for being here. It's been a blessing to speak with you and hear about your, your journey. And I'm so excited to see how this course goes and, and everything for you that's coming up. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for creating and holding this safe and loving space. And oh. I can't wait to see how your course turns out. <laughs> so exciting. Thank um, you. Yeah. And then where can people find you if they want to work with you and, and connect with you? People can find me. The best place is on Instagram. My Instagram is the copper vessel and my website, which has all the information about my upcoming sound bath events. I'm on the beach in LA once a month. And then I have virtual events for the new and full moons. Um, and then of course the sound healers Academy, my new training, um, is all on my website, thecoppervessel.com. Amazing. Okay. One last question. Where did that name come from? What's the copper vessel? Oh, we're going to have to do another episode. <laughs> it's such a long story. One of the yeah. healers that I went to was an Ayurvedic healer. And, um, one of the things that they told me to do this years and years ago was to drink water from a copper vessel every day. And that that would help, um, with my experience of alopecia. So I had this copper vessel and I still do. I keep it by my bed everywhere that I've traveled. I always always keep it with me from LA to New York to Virginia, Connecticut, all around the world. Um, and when I was coming up with the name for my business, I woke up in the night and was writing down names on a piece of paper, went to reach for a glass of water. And I thought, Oh, the uh -huh. vessel. and one of the biggest books that had an impact on my journey was the alchemist. And so I thought, okay, what does copper mean in alchemy? And it represents the divine feminine. It's really this metal that conducts energy and is, is also best as an alloy. So copper becomes better when it collaborates, right? It, it, it becomes what it needs to be. And I just loved also the idea of a vessel. Like it's not, it's not me. It's me being this vessel, this channel of energy and also a vessel that will take you to where you need to be. Mm. So oh, amazing. Thank you for entertaining <laughs> that. That's so cool to know. I'm going to think about copper and everything so differently now, but okay. Well, thank you so much, Susie. And uh, hopefully I'll catch you at some point soon in LA. I'll do a little sound yes. with you or Come something. To sound I'm sending you thank so you. much love. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Again, you can find Susie at The Copper Vessel on Instagram and thecoppervessel.com. And this was lucky number episode 50. I can't believe we're already here. It feels so good. And we're wrapping up season two on this episode. So um, there's going to be a little break in podcasting until mid-May. So about a month off. Um, and then there's going to be another beautiful round of guests. So in the meantime, check out who else we've had on. We've had Natalia Benson, Aaron Rose, Nick Onkin, Freya Haley, Daisy Douglas. Like the list really blows me away. And I'm so grateful to be able to have and share these conversations with you every Wednesday. Um, so yeah, uh, season three will kick off on May 19th, actually, which is just over a month away. Um, and in the meantime, I'm launching something so special that I've been working, you know, I feel like kind of my whole life on it's an online confidence course. It's a go at your own pace course with eight modules, including guided meditations, workbook prompts, affirmations, rituals. It's really just my personal tool belt that I've been using to raise my vibration and step into the next highest version of myself time and time again. Um, so I've kind of put it in just a little package for you guys that I'm hoping that you can use whenever you need that lift and whenever you need like really tangible tools for helping yourself, boosting your confidence, you know, improving your self-esteem and, um, you know, I think it could be something that you can come back to over and over and over again. It'll be like a lifelong little tool belt for you. So that is going to go on pre-sale on the 27th, which is, I think, just over a week. Um, and I'm so looking forward to that. So uh, keep in touch with me on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and Helen to see more information around that. 
And I will pop in and do a special episode just to kind of walk you through what this course is going to be about and uh, tell you my story and tell you, you know, the reasons behind why I even created this um, from overcoming eating disorders and depression and low self-worth and how I really grew out of that with the tools that are in this course. So that is my little speech. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for making it to the end here with me. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Have a beautiful day. 